0: We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We've been doing a little mini-series over the last couple of weeks called Prophesy. In this series, we are encouraging you to ask God for insight and courage to step out and to prophesy. You might not be a Christian here today, or maybe you're from a church where that kind of thing is foreign to you. You just came for the dedication and the cake, uh, and you've noticed that we asked earlier for prayers, for people to sense what God was saying and prophesy over Cyrus' life. You might think, what was that even about? Uh, what is this prophecy thing? Is this some kind of spiritual fortune telling? Well, let me explain it as best as, as I can. Christians believe in God. He is a supernatural, all-powerful creator of the universe. But he doesn't just affect the world by himself. He desires to bring his world, his will to the world through the acts of his people. One way he does that is by whispering words into their hearts. As Warren explained last week, the whispers of God are a gift of his spirit, words of wisdom, insight, and encouragement that build others up. And when you hear as an individual someone say, exactly what you need, when you need it, you know that God wants to do something in you and through you. Every year we send our young people to Easter camp. And one of the most powerful parts I've heard in recent years is a tent run by an organization called the Prayer Collective. In this tent, especially commissioned people who pray over young people and they move in this area of the prophetic. They try and ask God, God, is there something that I can do to build this person up? And they will bring that word to a young person. Now, what's happened over over time is that people have begun to see that these words are are accurate. It seems like the people who are praying know them and know exactly what they need in that moment. And it's become so powerful uh, that young people will even line up. There'll be a line to get into a prayer tent, Can you imagine that? There's carnival rides, there's food, they're empty, the prayer tent has a line. That's because God is doing something powerful. In fact, on Easter Sunday this year, I got a text from a non Christian relative whose daughter went to Easter camp. He wanted to know why the prayer tent, what a prayer tent was, and why his daughter said she had to join lines of people who were wanting to get in. Why would people line up to get into a prayer tent? It didn't make any sense to him. Yet the prophetic is powerful, and when it's done well, it can bring good and all sorts of good things to people. As Warren showed us last week, prophecy is hearing from God and speaking what you hear in order to strengthen, encourage, and comfort a person. To prophesy in a New Testament sense is to hear from God and then to speak what you hear. And so last week, Warren looked at the what. Today, what we're going to do is look at the how. How do we do this thing? How do we prophesy? And how do we do good prophecy? We want to make sure we're doing this well. So I have five short practical nuggets for you uh, this morning about what good prophecy is. Number one, good prophecy is done in love. Love is more than a background noise. The overt motivation of every act of Christian is love. I'm going to give you this word of prophecy and I'm going to do it because it is loving to let you know what God is saying. To hold it back would actually be an unloving thing to do. In this series, we're looking at some verses around 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 14. And 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter, right? It's the chapter you hear at weddings. If you've ever been to a wedding, they'll say, we've got a reading today, and it's from either Ephesians 5 or 1 Corinthians 13, usually 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read you all about love. But I think you could argue that 1 Corinthians 13 is nearly as much about prophecy as it is about love. Here's how it starts, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 2. It says, If I could speak all the language of the earth and of angels but didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The message uh, version says a rusty gate. Get that image in your head. If you do things without love, you're a rusty gate. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. I would be nothing. Love is the motivation and love is the way. And the next section is a description of what love looks like. And I think we should be able to replace the word love here with the word prophecy. And it still be true of the words that we bring to others. Prophecy is patient. Prophecy is kind. Prophecy is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own ways. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Paul is telling the people of Corinth words that echo to us today, and that is to give good prophecy. It should be done in love. And I've seen the opposite done. I've seen people use it as an opportunity to give a word of judgment on individuals, on church leaders, or political parties that they disagree with. It's not loving. Prophecy is for the strengthening, building up, and comforting of God's people, and that is loving. So number one, good prophecy is loving. Number two, good prophecy recognizes its limitations because there is an issue with prophecy, which Paul brings up in the next verses as he compares uh, the working of prophecy to our eternal future. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless in God's new creation. But love will last forever. He says, now our knowledge is partial and it's incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. And there's great words in here about we have this eternal future, that if we know Jesus, there will be a completeness and a wholeness. But for now, in this gift of prophecy, we need to recognize that it has limits. Our desire would be for our prophecy to be all of God's thoughts, However, we need to acknowledge that God chooses to speak through us and we're kind of fallen and frail and maybe our connection with him is not always as in tune as it could be. We don't always have a complete revelation of what God is saying. We only see in part and therefore we need to recognize that those who who prophesy are imperfect and therefore prophecy has limitations. Our revelation of God is not fully formed. And if we could graph it, I think it would look a little something like this. There's a graph we'll just put up on the screen. Uh, Thanks, Ollie. Just that graph there. Thank you. Uh, And if you see on one side, we see when it becomes our thoughts, just our thoughts, then the accuracy is low. The more we can move across to God's thoughts, the accuracy of the prophecy goes up. The more of God's revelation that I can bring, the more I can tune into him, the more accurate it becomes. So our job as we are bringing these words of what God is saying is to say, God, I kind of want to get out of the way and I want to hear more directly from you. I want to listen really, really well. We also need to be aware, though, that some prophecy can come from a selfish motive, not from love. And this is something we need to ensure we stay away from. My friend was in a relationship, and one day one of his girlfriend's friends came and spoke to him. She told him that she'd been praying for him, and she had heard God say that he'd been spending too much time with his girlfriend, and he had to stop. And I knew this guy well, and I knew his girlfriend well, and I knew they weren't spending too much time together. What was happening was... This other girl was just sad because she wasn't able to spend time with her friend. And so she brought it forward as a word of prophecy. She maybe felt that it had more power that way. That's not prophecy. That's spiritual manipulation. It's what using God's name in vain is really all about. You're using his name to achieve your own selfish ends. We need to test our hearts and ensure we're not doing that. We need to recognize prophecy's limitations. If we sense something is from God, we should share it. But we we should say, I sense God might be saying this. This is why we try and stay away from things like saying, thus saith the Lord. Because do we really know that that is completely what God is saying? There might be times when I sense a picture or a word for someone, and I'll tell them uh, what I see. And then I'll tell them uh, what I think God is saying through it. Hey, here's what I see. Here's what I think God is saying. How's that for you? So we need to recognize uh, that prophecy should be done with love and that also prophecy has limitation. Number three, good prophecy also passes the test. We might look at this graph and we might say to ourselves, well, if that's the case, and I don't know whether it's me or whether it's God, should I even really prophesy? Maybe I should just get out there and love people and sort of leave that stuff for someone who's a bit more certain about it. Paul says, no. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Let love, he says, be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. See, we need to make sure that whilst love is definitely our greatest goal that we do long for and go after this as a gift. But we must be wise in how we handle prophecy. The best advice on this comes from another one of Paul's exhortations at the end of the book of 1 Thessalonians. He says this, four very short verses. If you ever want to memorize four verses of the Bible, these are a good four because they're really short. Verse 19 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. See, in verse 19, uh, Paul says to the people of Thessalonica, he says, don't stifle God's Spirit. He says, make sure that in your life you are, are welcoming in God and His Spirit into your heart. We need to honor what God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. Verse 20 tells them not to scoff at prophecy. Paul says that even though it might be easy to dismiss prophecy as nothing more than intuition or positive thinking or personal advice, and even though people might get it wrong, there is something powerful going on in those moments. In verse 21, he tells them to test what is said. What does testing prophecy look like? I mean, this is really important. Because of prophecy's limited nature, we need to show wisdom about what we choose to receive and what we don't. How do we know when a prophecy is from God or not? The first two clues are found in this passage. He says to hold on to what is good. We will see the good fruit that can come through the prophetic word, both for us and for someone else. And then he says stay away from every kind of evil. prophetic word will never uh, be destructive in your life. It will lead you to greater devotion to God, not further away. And under these headings, there are other things to consider when testing prophecy. It will never contradict what God has already revealed through scripture. It will be a gift, not a demand. It won't force you to do something that you don't want to do. My brother uh, this week had someone send him a message on Facebook and give him a prophecy. And my brother was a little bit dubious about it and became more dubious when the person said, and now that I've done that for you, could you please give me some money? (laughs) Uh, That's not okay. Just because someone does something powerful does not give them the right to ask you for money. It's a gift. It's not a demand. It's not a transaction. Uh, Another test for prophecy is that it will be consistent with what God has already said and what he is doing in your life. You often find that, that a word of prophecy will be the right word at the right time. And finally, God will make it clear to you, either by a quickening in your heart or sometimes by bringing it back to your mind later. Some words of prophecy hit you hard. Some of the time you hear it and you go, wow, I can just sense God's love right now. Some are clearly wrong. Others others you're not sure about. And those ones are worth writing down and reviewing in a few years. Uh, when I was younger, I had a prophecy over me. Uh, a guy came and he prophesied over a number of people in our church and he said, if you commit yourself to God's, heart, uh, God's house, then I will put an adventurous spirit in you and I will take you to other nations. And I didn't think much of that word of prophecy. I'd lived in the same town for 20 years and I couldn't see myself being that adventurous. I didn't think that was me or going to other nations And so I just kind of disregarded it. But someone else was there and they wrote down all these prophecies and they gave this to me. And it didn't make me feel like, well, that's a bad word. So I just put it in my wallet and left it there. Three years later, I was looking through my wallet and I found that prophecy. And I had to laugh because... It was a remarkable moment for me. Uh, two months previous, our pastors had come back from travelling through the UK and pulled Joanna and I aside, and we were engaged at the time. They presented to us the opportunity to go work for the Apostolic Church in Middlesbrough in the northeast of England. we said yes, and we were due to leave three weeks after our wedding. Even though I didn't believe it, God had brought those words to pass. In that moment, I think that prophecy was given to me years earlier so I could pull it out in that moment. In that moment, I felt so loved by God. I felt like, wow, God knows my future more than I do. It didn't change a single thing about any decision that I'd made. It didn't change anything about the way I went about it. But it was something that God had planted like a, a seed in my life. And now it went... Uh, germinated, and it was coming forth, and it would bear fruit. And in that moment, and in the moments to come, because you know, whenever you know, you've got an adventurous spirit, whenever you go on an adventure, what do you find in an adventure? Difficulty. And there was plenty of that. And in those difficulty moments, it was awesome, because I knew that I was right where God wanted me to be. He had me. He knew my future, and I was secure in him. It was so powerful for me. So whilst we need to test a word and sometimes discount it, you never know what God might do through it. Hand it to him and see what he does through that word. So good prophecy should be loving, should recognize its limitations. It should pass the test in our lives. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that good prophecy is orderly. We prophesy uh, out of love and we recognize its limitations. We test it, then we need to look at how we give it. It seems that in the Corinth church, there were times the prophetic gift was used as a license to disrupt and interrupt. We don't see that a lot here. Most people respect that things need to be done orderly. But let's see what it looked like in the Corinthian church where the gathering and culture was slightly different than ours. But there are some good underlying principles. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29. Let two or three people prophesy, and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the meetings of God's holy people. The key principle here is that things need to be done in an orderly way. And what that looks like for us here at St. Martin's C3 in our services is that we have these moments where we say, hey, if God is speaking to you, a word of encouragement, a word of love that will build others up, we'd like to give you a space to share that. And we ask that you would come to Warren or come to I or whoever is leading the service And then we will uh, judge and see whether it's appropriate with what's going on in the service. And also sometimes if we're about timing, whether we'll share that or you'll share that. But we love to hear those. And so we want you to bring them. Every Sunday, we want you to bring something or someone to bring something that can encourage us from God's heart. And we'll pray together on that word and we'll consider it. So that's how we do it here. That's what it looks like to be orderly. Finally, good prophecy is something that we grow in. So how do we prophesy? We need to look for ways to build up individuals and to build up the church. 1 Corinthians fourteen three to 4 says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so we need to look at how we grow in this gift that God has given us. What I find when I'm praying for people is that usually either a scripture will come to mind or a single word or maybe a feeling or an idea. Many people get a picture that come into their mind. That doesn't happen so much for me. I'm not really a visual person. But for some people, as we saw beautifully this morning uh, displayed, a word or or an image that can really ring true with people, which is appropriate for that word earlier, ringing true. What I will do is I'll then tell the people, here is the scripture I have for you, or I just feel God's love for you right now. Or I sense that God wants to free you from a prison in your life. Something like that. And then if it's appropriate, we ask them, does, does that mean anything for you? And they might say yes, and at times they say no, and we go, okay, that's fine. Well, let's just pray and we can seek God for you more. Remember that it doesn't need to be amazing. Amazing. I've seen other occasions uh, where people have felt to be a legitimate prophet, they need to make it impressive. You know, I see uh, someone with a white door who's got a knee problem, something like that. But you don't need to make it overly complicated or impressive. Uh, One time we were moving from one church to another and a person came who we'd never met and didn't know and in the service uh, as we were being prayed for prophesied that after our next church appointment God was going to take us to America. And after the service, pretty much everybody in the church just treated that like fact. And they went, oh, so you're going to America. That's really exciting. And we went, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's it's interesting. We'll hold on to that and test it uh, and see whether it's true. And then when we left our next church, it's interesting. That word never came to mind. Never came any opportunities. Uh, nothing ever came of it. I think that they were trying to do something that they felt was impressive. You don't need to do that. You need to just bring what you feel that God is saying that can build someone up in the season that they're in. Start small. Try this. Ask God to lead you to a theme to pray for someone. Just a theme. It could be about freedom. It could be about love. It could be about devotion. It could be about anything. And then when you see them during the week, ask them how their week has been to see if it is God leading you in the right direction. And that way you can begin to know when you're hearing his voice. The other place it's great to practice this is in our connect groups or any connect group. They're fantastic places. As you gather around, Christians spend time praying for each other and ask for God for some word of encouragement for others. Then share it with them. And I want to encourage you, if you are here in part of St. Martin C3, get into a connect group. Go to your connect group. It's a great place to grow together and to practice this. Why not spend time asking God to give you a word of prophecy for someone this week? Here's a really radical idea, right? If you want to push the boat out a little bit and you want to really try something uh, a little bit different and a little bit scary, we did this with a group of youth leaders one time. What we did is we blindfolded one person and then put another person in front of them that they couldn't see. And we asked them just to pray and to say, God, do you have anything for whoever this person is in front of me? And the idea behind that was a little bit like that graph to get ourselves out of the way and not see them and go, Well, I know what they're going through, but just to pray and say, God, what do you have? And some leaders, uh, they sensed nothing, and that was absolutely fine. But for others, they prayed these eerily accurate prayers over someone and then pulled their blindfold off and went, I knew it was you. It was a great moment. Why not, why not push the boat out a little bit and give that a try? It's a way to get out of uh, the way and to let God speak. And we want to also offer the opportunity tonight. We have a time of prayer and worship, and we're going to practice some of this. We might not blindfold you, don't worry. We won't make you do anything that you don't want to do. But this could be a great place for you to practice prophesying, hearing God's voice and giving words for others and receiving something, which is really cool. Uh, We've got sermon notes and devotions at the back, and I put a story in there, which I'll close with today. But one time uh, we were doing this exercise with a group of intermediates, 11 and 12-year-olds, where we just said, we want you to uh, listen for God's voice. We want you to see if you can hear him speak. And we sent them off to different parts, and some of them went outside, some stayed inside, and they prayed. And they came back together, and this one young guy, I remember uh, him being a real rope bag. He was a punk. He really was. He was not a nice person to lead in the group. Always disruptive, interrupting, uh, made life very difficult for me. Uh, and I was like, gosh, you just, you're like sent from the devil or something. <laughs> And, uh, and he came back in and I remember a few people shared and then he shared and he said, I was outside and I was just praying and I just had this picture in my head of a bird and the bird was flying really close to me and we were like, oh yeah, okay, what do you think it means? And he went, I don't know, you're the leaders, you tell me, what do you think it means? And we went, I don't know, we don't know what it means. And we said, hey, I'll tell you what though, you just stick with that image in your head, and uh, maybe God will speak to you at some point. And I thought, you know, probably won't, but it's all right, because why would God speak to this kid? But anyway, he just sat there, and he went, okay. And then the next week he came back, and he said, oh, you remember last week we prayed, and I had that vision of that, that bird? I said, yeah. And he said, oh, that day, that afternoon, we decided to go for a walk as a family through the forest. And as we were going for a walk through the forest, this bird came down, came through the trees and just started a flying very close to my head, not threateningly, just around me. And as that bird was flying close to me, I looked up at it and I realised it was the exact same bird from my vision. And as I saw that, I just had this real sense that God is with me. And no matter what happens, he's always with me. And I was like, oh man, you're not from the devil! <laughs> You're more spiritual than I am. And as he shared that word, gosh, I tell you what, for him it was powerful, but for the entire group, we went, wow. We have a God who wants to speak to us, who wants to be close to us, who wants to show his love to us. It was a beautiful thing. So we want to encourage you to prophesy, to do it in love, recognizing its limitations, seeing that it passes the test. We want to make sure it's done in an orderly way and it's something that we can grow in. I want to challenge you with that today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.